we're looking back. We know what was going to happen as Jesus came into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. We have a great advantage as we celebrate this, uh, this wonderful holiday. As we see the, the children of Israel recognizing the Savior in, in, in one of the most significant ways that he was recognized through his whole earthly ministry. It was, it was a highlight as we look back on it. It's the kind of day that we know from, from the Word of God, from our experience, from, from knowing the history, uh, we know that this is what he deserved the whole time. This is what should have been happening wherever he went, whenever he went there. But of course it wasn't. And the triumphal entry that happened on Palm Sunday ended up, as Dan mentioned, as the songs mentioned this morning, ended up with Jesus on the cross. And I want us to look this morning at what was happening between his coming into the city and his going to the cross. Um, I want to look at one particular parable that I think summarizes a lot of the ministry of the Lord Jesus during that week uh, between the triumphal entry. And it starts with Matthew chapter 22, verse 1. Matthew 22, verse 1. One of the parables that Jesus um, told during this week between Palm Sunday and Good Friday. Now as we look to Matthew 22, verse 1 and see this parable... Let's remember what the purpose of the parables were in general. Because a lot of people have a misunderstanding about the, the nature of the parables. A lot of people think that, that they were just cute stories that Jesus gave to help people understand things better. But in fact, when you, when you look in the Old Testament in Isaiah, where the prophet says that the Messiah is going to speak in parables, they say, Isaiah says he's going to do it in judgment against Israel because they're ever hearing but never believing. And so the parables are a symbol of judgment on Israel. They're not, they're, they're intended for the people not to be able to understand them completely unless they have ears to hear and eyes to see. That's why often after the, after Jesus spoke in parables, his disciples and apostles would come to him and say, what were you talking about? Can you fill us in? on what that meant, and then Jesus would explain it to them because they did have ears to hear and eyes to see, and even with that, they needed a second explanation or a second second go-through. We have the advantage, those of us who know Christ, we have the advantage of, of being able to understand these parables. First of all, we have the Word of God, which explains through Jesus' ministry, explains to the apostles what they meant, and then also we have the rest of Scripture to help us understand what the, what the parable is talking about. And so we read this one with that in mind. Remember, a statement of judgment on those who don't believe. Matthew chapter 22. Jesus spoke to them again in parables saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come. But they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, tell those, who, tell those who have been invited that I've prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off. One to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. 
He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. When the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Many are invited, but few are chosen. How did you get in here without wedding clothes? You can't get in here without wedding clothes. Throw him out. What is he talking about? What is he talking about? He, he had just come in as, as we've been singing and, and talking to the children about it and, and, and seeing the palm branches and the, and the cloaks. And he had just come into the city receiving all the praise from, from many of the children of Israel who came out to greet him and who, and who believed. And now he says this. There's a there's a, a banquet being prepared. An eternal banquet. There's a there's life beyond this life that's being prepared. And the king, the father of this prince, this son of God who just came into town, the king has been inviting people for a long time. And those that you would expect to be at the banquet, those that, that were invited first, those who were given most opportunity, and those were the, the Jewish people that he called aside, that he called apart, that he, that he set aside as his own people, not because of anything they had done to deserve it, but because he wanted to show the world his grace through the coming of the Messiah, and he was going to pick a people that didn't deserve to be picked to bring his Messiah through. And we read about that all the way through the Old Testament. Those people rejected him and rejected him and rejected him and rejected him and were even rejecting him even in this, in this final week of his life. Because as you read the, you read the story, he was being, he was under attack every day through this week, this Passion Week, this week between Palm Sunday and Good Friday. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees, the religious people, they were after him from start to finish. And here he reminds them of the story. He reminds them of what's going on. 
He reminds them of the, of the great love of the, of the King, of the Heavenly Father. He reminds them of the extreme measures that He's taken to get the Word to them, so that when His Son did come, they would be ready to receive Him and ready to receive all of the blessings that come through faith in Him. And still most of them said, that is not the way we had it pictured. That is not the way that we wanted it to be. And we aren't coming. And you see how the king felt about that rejection. You see the extreme, as, as many extreme measures as he, as he went to to get them the word, he also takes extreme measures to judge them for their rejection. He said he sent his army in and destroyed them. And then he invited others. Now the others had been invited before as well. Throughout the Old Testament we see how part of the ministry of the, of the kingdom of Israel, of the children of Israel, were to also bring the Gentiles in. And most of us here this morning are Gentiles. That means we're not Jewish. And we're thankful that we've been included, even from the beginning but especially after the rejection of the Lord Jesus by his own people, we've been included in, in greater in greater numbers. But even those of us who have entered into the banquet hall through faith in Christ, we're reminded this morning that we have to have on the clothes. Now, I'm not saying that we have a dress code here. All right, we're 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 not we're not we're not checking people's clothes out, but in this particular case, there was a dress code. When the king said, "Bring them all in, good and bad," there were some there were some people that hadn't been to banquets before, and they didn't know how to dress. And so he had prepared for everybody that was coming in. He had prepared for them the clothes that were required to sit at this great feast, at this great banquet, to celebrate his son. And there was that man in the banquet who said, no, I don't need that. I don't need those clothes. These are fine. And he went on in and he sat down, thinking that he was okay. And when the king came in and saw him, that he rejected the clothes that he had prepared for that man. He said, this is not the banquet for you. And you, like the others who went before you in rebellion and in disbelief, then you also are going to be judged. And he was, sent, and he was thrown out into place that he's descri- that Jesus describes here as a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. And that's a description that Jesus used often in describing the judgment that was going to fall on those who rejected him. A lot of people um, in our in our culture today, in our in American society, don't don't like to think of Jesus talking like this. When they when they think of Jesus and when they speak of Jesus, they're speaking only of the Jesus who said, come to me all you little children, and also if somebody slaps you on the right cheek, then turn your left and let them slap that one also. Very important, very great moments in the life of Jesus. 
But that, that's not the only side of him. There's also the side, as you read through the Gospels, as we are, and if you're visiting this morning, we're, we're currently, although not this morning, we're currently going through the Gospel of Mark to see what the real Jesus is like and what he said and what his message is and was. And this is, of course, part of it. It's not part of the Gospel of Mark. But what we find as we go through the Gospels, the stories of Jesus, the good news about Jesus, we also see these very serious about judgment. He's very serious about the justice of God. Remember, Jesus is God. And while he is all loving, he is also completely just. That means he's right in everything that he does. In every statement that he makes, and in every judgment that he makes. And he is righteous. And because he is righteous, and and we know very little about righteousness, unless we look at Jesus. If the only thing that we know about righteousness is each other, and people like ourselves, then we're, you know, we're we're kind of uh, foggy in our view of of what righteousness is. In our, in our um, adult Bible study class this morning, let me encourage you, if you're not a part of one of the classes, let me encourage you to come in at 9.30 for that time of fellowship around God's Word. But this morning, we were talking about the ministry that believers in Christ have of reflecting the glory of God. As we, as we read the Word of God and as we understand it and we start living it, then we start reflecting that glory to other people. And we were talking about how important it is for our, for our faces to reflect that glory. And one of the people in the class said, there are, there are plenty of times when this face doesn't reflect that glory. And they were exactly right. There are plenty of times when our faces don't reflect that glory, or when our attitudes don't reflect that glory, or when our actions don't reflect that glory. Our view of, of that glory is very skewed when we think about us as the ones reflecting it. But when we think about the one who is sending that glory, the one who is all-glorious, it's, it's kind of like the comparison of the sun and the moon. Yesterday, some of us who were here at the egg hunt were appreciating the sun very much. Because there were moments yesterday that were glorious. Those were the moments when the clouds were, weren't thick and the sun was shining. It was an awesome day for those few moments. The rest of it you saw, some of you saw the pictures. The rest of it we were, you know, we were like this. Although it was still a, a wonderful day. But, but that got a few of us, as, as we were doing the cleanup and stuff, that got a few of us talking about the sun. Do you ever think about the sun? Do you ever think about how amazing that sun is? I mean, first of all, we can't even comprehend how far away it is. All right. Nothing that we experience has, you know, can, can, can even compare to the distance that sun is away from us. It's so far. But when it's out, when the clouds aren't, aren't, aren't in, you know, distracting us or, or getting in the way, obstructing us, when the trees aren't in the way, that sun that's so many millions of miles away from here just heats us up amazingly. Some of you came back early from spring break to be here this morning. Thank you for coming back. And you came back from places where you were basking in that sun. So much so that you had to put stuff on your body to protect yourself from it. That's, that is how amazing it is. 
That's how amazingly hot it is. And then we were thinking about it yesterday as we were talking about it. Nobody's throwing any coal into that fire. Or wood. Nobody's adding fuel. It's just up there burning. And burning and burning and burning. And then somebody said, and, and it's just one of millions of them. It's amazing. And then you have the moon. That really looks cool on a, on a crisp, cool night, clear night. And there's that moon and it's shining so bright. But you know what that moon is? It's just a ball of rocks and clay and dust. Has no source of light in itself at all. But when the sun hits it, like when the Son of God hits us, everything changes. Everything is different. That, that ball of clay and rock and, and dust all of a sudden is bright enough to cast a shadow, bright enough to see what you're doing, bright enough to find a trail, bright enough to find your way home anytime. It is amazing and beautiful. But it's nothing without the sun. Absolutely nothing. Now, it's, it's still pretty amazing that it stays out there at the same distance and, you know, goes around the, the earth. That's, that, it has amazing aspects to it, but it's nothing compared to and without the sun. And that's us. And that's the people of the banquet. They recognize that. But there was one guy who didn't. There's one guy who said, I don't need that. I don't need that, Jesus. I don't need that. I don't need the king's son. I don't need to honor him. I just want some food. I just want the benefits. And listen, everybody that's ever born, been born into this world, no matter where, you know, what part of it, no matter what's going on there, they've got some of the benefits. You know, even today, in, in one of the places that we're thinking of a lot right now in our, in our, in our day is Ukraine. Even this, even this morning, although it happened a few hours ago, even this morning in Ukraine, you know what? As hard and difficult as it is over there right now, sun still came up. There, there were still, even though there's a lot of tragedy and a lot of death and a lot of sorrow around, they're still, eat, they're still eating. And they're still breathing. They're still receiving lots of benefits and blessings from God. And that's, and that's one of the worst places right now. All around the world. People who have rejected God or believe in God, they're still receiving many, many of the blessings that God has poured out into this world. But only some, only some get all the blessings. And those who get all the blessings are those who believe in the Son, Jesus. Those, that's the clothes that we wear. That's what, that's what the Apostle Paul was talking about in a, in a verse that I mentioned last week from 2 Corinthians 5.21. As we think about the cross, we think about what Jesus was just about to do for us as he's, as he's sharing this parable. He's, he's talking about the cross. The Apostle Paul said this, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of of God. Do you see that man's problem that was trying to sneak in and enjoy the benefits without the dress, without the clothes? 
He was rejecting that righteousness. He was rejecting God's way of bringing salvation, of bringing us to himself. He was rejecting that. He said he had a better way. His, his way was fine. His way was good enough. And it wasn't. There is no other way. That's why Jesus said this in his, in his ministry, also during this week between Palm Sunday and Good Friday. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's the close. He's the close for the banquet. We don't, you don't, no one gets in the banquet without the close. The righteousness of Jesus Christ. The righteousness of church people is not enough. It's ugly apart from Christ. In Christ, it's a beautiful thing. It's, it's the reflection of the moon reflecting the, sun, the, the light of the sun. It's a beautiful thing when we're the reflectors of that great, great righteousness that God has given us in Christ. But apart from Christ, it's ugly. Even, even church righteousness is ugly to God. It doesn't get anyone in. It's not the close. There are going to be many people who spend a lot of time in church chairs and pews that are going to be in that place of weeping and gnashing of teeth because they were counting on their own righteousness. They, they thought their way was fine, and they rejected Jesus. Oh, they didn't reject him in terms of they thought he was a great guy. They thought he was a wonderful teacher. They, they may have even said he was the Son of God, but they didn't need him to forgive them of their sins. They were okay because they thought that doing some good things would take away their sins, would take away the impact of their sins, would keep them from being judged for their sins. But they weren't listening. They weren't paying attention. Or they were utterly rebellious as this man was as he came into the banquet, passing by the place where he could have picked up the clothes. They were there for him. They were offered to him. But he didn't take them. He thought his way, his attire was just fine. He was all right without needing the Savior like that. And what we need to remember this morning, we need the Savior. We need nothing but the Savior. As the men were singing this morning, nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's what takes away our sins. That's what, that's what enables us to be a part of this eternal banquet. And, and remember, this is a parable. Being in the glory of God isn't going to be a perpetual banquet. You know, so don't, don't leave here this morning thinking, I'm not sure I want to go. I'm not that crazy about banquets. Well, let me tell you, if it was going to be a perpetual banquet that Jesus had prepared for us, it would have been all right. We'd have, we'd have still loved it. But that's not what he's talking about. He's not saying that's exactly what it's going to be for all, you know, all the time. But being in his glory is what we're talking about. His glory for eternity. Right now, we're reflectors of that glory. But there's coming a day. And some of, our, some of us in, in these last you know, weeks and months have had loved ones who know Jesus go on to be with him. They're... they're experiencing that glory 
they're experiencing that wonderful banquet in his presence because they are wearing his clothes. They entered in because they were made the righteousness of Christ by putting their trust in him. Because when he died on the cross, he offered that exchange. He took upon himself our sins. And by the power of his Holy Spirit, when we believed, he put into us his righteousness. So that when we stand before him, we were, we are not going to be condemned and judged for the sins that we've committed. Those things were judged and, and put on his sentence. He bore that for us. And we receive the glory. We get to share in his glory. He is an amazing brother. He's not only the Son of God, remember, He's fully God and fully man. And as man, He is our brother. He's our firstborn brother. He's our oldest brother. He's the one who gets to decide who gets what in the inheritance. Now, most Americans don't don't go by that principle anymore in, in dividing up inheritance and, and things. You know? And some of you are really glad about that. You know, because you've got an older brother that you know would not be divvying it up very nicely, you know. Some of you are that older brother. And you're thinking, man, I wish I had wish I had the command of this. Well Jesus does. He's still operating under that under that ancient system where the oldest brother gets to divide it up. And you know what he's going to do? The word of God tells us in Romans chapter eight, he is going to share with us the inheritance. Isn't that amazing? but it's only because of him, not because of us. And so learn the lesson from this parable that took place that Jesus gave in this week of confusion for a lot of people. Jesus was trying to help them get it straight. He was letting them know judgment was coming. He was even letting them know it again by the the method of his delivery of a parable. A statement of judgment itself, but the parable in the message was judgment also. Don't think that you can get to heaven in your own strength, in your own way, in your own righteousness. Don't think that. If you're thinking that, consider what Jesus is telling you. Take this as a warning. Now, he was coming right down to the, to the wire as he's, as he's given this message in his earthly ministry. These folks needed to pay attention quickly. And some of them would come to faith in him after it all took place. They're going to find out, but they're going to see him, some of them on the cross. They're going to hear about him being on the cross. And they're going to think, that's what he's talking about. We need what he did for us. And then they heard about his resurrection, and many more of them came to faith in him. Recognizing that he wasn't an ordinary man. He wasn't just a great teacher like so many people were talking about. He wasn't just the teachers we see in Mark who taught with authority like someone they'd never seen before. No, he was more than that. He was declared to be the Son of God through the resurrection from the dead. He rose again from the dead. We're going to be celebrating that next week. But that makes all the difference for us. And it reminds us that we have no hope apart from him. And so, even for those who believe, 
Let's remember not to get distracted from that central theme of our lives, from that core of what we believe. Look, look as we close um, real quickly to Luke chapter uh, 21. Luke chapter 21. Very similar language to the parable that, he, that we just looked at in Matthew 22. Look at this statement that he makes. Verse 34 of Luke 21. Verse 34. Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Be careful. Stay focused. You've seen a couple of, uh, a couple of the guys up here this morning, I think Dan, in doing one of the prayers, and I think uh, Bennett back here on the base, you, you might notice they were wearing some master's attire. You know, the little little country, little America with a flag sticking in Augusta, Georgia as the center of the world right there. That's going on right now, for those of you who don't know. That's, that's going on. And uh, one, of the, one of the greats of the game had some of his, has had some of his greatest moments on that course, um, Tiger Woods. And, and when he was at his finest, at his best, he used, to, he used to look at a shot like this. He put his hands, his, his hands up to his face so he could just, he was just focused on that line that that putt had to go on and he, and he wasn't letting anything else in. And that's how, how great athletes are. They're, they're completely focused. And that's what Jesus is calling for us on this, in this warning in Luke 21. He's saying, stay focused, be careful. Don't, don't let any distractions keep you from believing. See, all those things that he mentioned, the, the drunkenness and the, the, the concern of the anxieties of life. Some of you say, well, I don't have a problem with drunkenness, but why are you mentioning that other? <laughs> why are you talking about anxiety and worrying and stuff like that? I didn't. Jesus did. He said, don't let that stuff cloud your vision. And get you off of what you have to think about and what you need to believe in and who you need to believe in. He is what this is about. He is what this life is about. So keep your focus. Be ready. Because remember how we're, how we're ready. By believing in Jesus Christ. Everybody's going to stand before him. He couldn't have been more clear than he was there in, in Luke 21. Everybody on the face of the entire earth is going to stand before him. He's coming for, for us. Everybody. Some of us are going to be alive when he returns, as we were singing about this morning. Some of us are going to pass away before, and we're going to enter glory. But everybody is going to have to stand before him. Don't lose focus. Don't lose sight of how you're ready. And that is through your faith, your trust 
in Jesus Christ alone. Make sure you're wearing the right clothes all the time. Let's bow together for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for telling us the truth. for not candy-coating it for us, but for letting us know how it really is and how it's really going to be. We need to hear it. We need to remember what our focus is supposed to be, what we're supposed to be thinking about every day, all the time. That we are righteous only if we've put our trust in Jesus. Not because of good things that we've done. Not because of money we've given or prayers that we've prayed. Or good deeds that we've done. Father, we thank you that our righteousness is only Jesus. And his righteousness that he's put into us as believers in him. So Father, help us to glorify you as we live in this life. Continually thanking you for what you've done and letting others know that what we have, this this glory that we reflect is simply that, a reflection of how great you are. And so may we live our lives with the power that you give to let people know that they also can be clothed for the banquet. You've included them in the invitation. But only those who believe are chosen. Father, help us to see that and help us to stay focused on what you have done for us in Christ. And Father, for those who haven't yet received Jesus, who are with us this morning, either online or or here in in the sanctuary, Father, we pray that you help them to see the urgency of the hour. That now is the time for them to put their trust in Jesus. You've brought them to this place For this purpose, to believe in Jesus, to be clothed with his righteousness, not a righteousness of their own, but his perfect righteousness. And Father, we give you thanks for doing that for us in Christ. And we thank you for the celebration that we've had and will continue to have this morning and next Sunday as we celebrate Easter. Father, we thank you that you've done these things for us that we might bring you the glory that you deserve. Help us to do it well. In Jesus' name, amen.